So today we have a weighty subject matter. I want to begin with asking, where is Jesus right now? He's at the Father's right hand. He's poured out the Spirit everywhere in our midst. He's at the Father's right hand, and what's he doing right now? He's interceding for us. He's ruling over the world. He's bringing his kingdom through the Holy Spirit according to the Father's will. He's praying for us right now. So Jesus is, we could say, right there, not too far away. And he's praying for us. And he's always praying the same thing for us. He's praying many things, but he's chiefly praying one thing. In John 17, he prayed for the disciples. One of the things he prayed was, sanctify them. We could say, sanctify GCF, the 930 Sunday school people, morning Bible study, in your truth, in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. So today we come to a little bit of a difficult and often controversial passage that will be offensive to us. And I'm not very concerned that it's offensive to us. I'm concerned that the parts of it that should offend us do not. And so today we speak from Ephesians 5 primarily to husbands and to men who will become husbands. Hear the word of the Lord. <coughs> Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands, should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, by the washing of water with the word, your word is truth, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Quote, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. In a moment, we're going to go to prayer, and then we'll read this passage again. After we pray, as we read it a second time, I want you to look for three things, and then we're going to discuss the offense. Look for when it talks about heads and headship. Listen for the word head. Look for uh, love and what that love, practically speaking, looks like. We're going to talk about what it does not look like and how we failed the Word of God and we failed Him. We're going to talk about how Christ effectively loves the church with the Word. That's how he loves us, with his word. So, Lord, we come to you because you're our shepherd and we're your sheep and the people of your pasture. You made us 
and we are yours. Today, we need you to lead us to green grass and quiet waters. We need you to feed us, and you are the bread that came down from heaven. You are the bread of life, and man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth, O God. We need you to wash us with the water of the word. We are thirsty. We come to you dry. Wash us with your word and with your spirit, who empowers your word and causes you, you cause yourself in your word and in your person to live in us and well up in us like a fountain of life. And so we know that as you perfect us, your church, you will flow out of us like a river of living water, as clear as crystal. And the fruit of the Spirit will grow up among us, all around us, every fruit in its season, in proper order. So now, Lord, minister to us truth and gospel, and wash us in this your word. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did he do it? gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by, how? By the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In this way, in the same way, in no other alternate way, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So there are probably two great ways that our culture is offended by the scripture here by God's truth here. Um, And the first is in the first paragraph that we're kind of going to gloss over. uh, Wives, submit to your own husbands, right? How does our culture uh, find itself offended by this and, and war against that? Our culture says men and women are equal, right? And it's unfair. Our culture wars against sinful man sinfully dominating his wife, right? And rightfully so. And this is our sin. Yet it's more, the scripture says husbands are the head of their own wives, not somebody else's wives, not women in general. Um, But the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. And so what we find is husbands pretending that they're not the head because the culture says you're not the head and there is no head and we're all, we're all shoulders. You're a shoulder, I'm a shoulder, we're all, and we're all the same height too and nobody's in front or behind, right? Something about that strikes me as not really true. There are ways that men and women are different 
And those ways aren't fair. And we can all agree on this. Men on average are taller. Men on average are physically stronger. Do we agree with that? Is that bad? Something in our modern sensibilities says it is. It's not fair. It's not fair that I'm taller than my wife, and when she wants a water bottle off the fridge, she has to either get a stool or, more commonly, ask me to go get it. So scripturally, as the head, I go get it. I don't tell her, go get a stool. We're all equal here. (laughs) We're starting to get at what our sin is here and how we embrace our culture's view that everybody, because fairness is the ultimate right and unfairness is the ultimate wrong, which is not true, and we already agreed on that, but now we deny it when it comes to biblical headship. The other and chief way that our culture is offended by this passage, which is God's word, which is by definition truth, which is what Jesus is right here praying for us to be sanctified in. So that's what we're here to have happen to us. We're here to have this wash the filth from our minds, that is, wash the unrighteousness and unreality from our minds, and it's there. And to to clean us with something pure. This is pure. There's no fault in it, the psalmist says. So the second and worst way that our culture rebels against these words is we don't just rebel against the idea of the husband as head of the wife, right? We say it's not fair, okay, given, but we also said it's okay that some things are unfair and we agree with that, but we don't like it, even though it's real. Something's wrong. We don't want Christ to be our head. And that's the real problem here. Because our culture says everything has to be fair, and therefore everything has to be equivalent, and that's not true, and we may rightly repent of thinking that way, and that's what we're here to do together today. The, that's a symptom of a deeper problem. The reason we've embraced that ideology is because we first rejected Christ as our head. Christ is a head. He is the head. There's no other head. Because he made us, we are his. He is the shepherd, we're the sheep, right? There's one shepherd, There's no dethroning Christ. But when in our hearts we deny that he is where he is, doing what he's doing, ruling and wonderfully loving us by praying for us that we would be washed in the water of the word, which is what a husband does because a husband is a head. When we deny that, we have to make up a new philosophy because we've just emptied our head of everything true. We've emptied our head of reality. And now our heads are empty, so we've got to come up with a new philosophy. And that's what unrighteous man does. So the philosophy that in the United States, in, in the West, in the modern or postmodern era, has embraced because something was taken out, we fixed it, and we put on fig leaves, didn't we? We tried to cover up the nudity of our minds, the nakedness of our souls, the uncleanness thereof. So by rejecting Christ as our head, which all men and women were born in, and in that we are very equal, by doing that we've gotten to our new philosophy. In our culture, that takes the form of in some people's private homes, away from the approval of society, a man violently rules over his husband, and he says, I should be your Lord. That's not what we read, though. We said, the husband is the head. We're going to substitute the word Lord here, okay? 
the husband is the Lord or head over his wife. But scripturally, we're going to find that that means the husband is the head under his wife. And that's the direction we're headed. So don't be too offended initially, even though this is very hard for us to wrap our hearts around, especially because we grew up in this culture. So in this culture, in private homes, while the society says we're all shoulders, there's no head or body, there's no head and other members, there's no difference between husbands and wives, that's what they teach in the schools, in private homes, our other sin that we don't talk about and don't admit is that husbands try to be the heads by lording over our wives. And in this, we destroy our wives for who Christ died. Husbands should not try to be the heads of their homes. Husbands are the heads of their homes. So, since Christ is the head, and we are the body, and in the awesome mystery of God's thoughts and wonderful actions, he who was separate from us, whose thoughts were as, higher, as high above us as the heavens are above the earth, to our discredit, he came down and washed us in the water of the word, mysteriously, he who was other and different and transcendent and eternally existent in three persons, in perfect fellowship, love, and submission in order one to the other, he became one with us. That's the gospel. Last week, we talked about Zechariah's vision of the man representing all of us and all the people of God standing before this messenger of God with Satan as his right, at his right hand to accuse him. Everybody who was here remember? Yes. And before Satan had a chance to accuse this one who represented all of us, who was clothed in filthy clothes, who had no way to come near God, and who was covered in his unrighteousness, or rather his unrighteousness was laid bare before Satan and before God. God, God the God-man, the messenger of God, being one with the Father, came to us and commanded that our filthiness be removed from us, and he himself clothed us with clean clothes. That's not what we said. We said he clothed us with pure clothes. There's a supernatural, overwhelming, covering purity to the new man that we have put on. So the gospel is that Christ came to us while we could do nothing but stand there helpless. And he cleansed us by speaking new reality. And every word that comes from the mouth of God is real. If there is wood in the wall, and it's probably only partly real wood, it's because God said, let it be. If there's light coming from here, it's because God made it by saying, let it be. If there's air, if there's earth. If there's space filled with all the things in space, if there are souls in our hearts and, and hearts that beat within us, it's because God said, let them come forth and bear after their own kind. It's because Christ exercised his role as headship, as, as head, and first made us, and then in our nakedness, in our being covered with shame and sin, came to us, cleansed us by saying, let pure vestments clothe him, right? So Christ loved us not by being nice to us and not by splitting the chores equally with us. And that's not how a husband loves his wife. You should probably, you know, volunteer to do more chores. 
and the hardest ones are the heaviest ones because you are stronger, probably. <laughs> Christ didn't love the church and therefore become the perfect and ultimate and absolute example of head and husband to his bride, that's us, whom he cleansed and sanctified by splitting the work with us. An error the church has fallen into and much of the Western church remains in is that we have to do part of the work of cleaning ourselves up and then we're ready for Christ to finish the work or he cleans us up and then if we don't stay clean, we screwed it all up and we lost everything. But no, we said last week when we talked about Zechariah's vision of the man representing all of us with Satan at his right hand to accuse him and the messenger of God who is none other than our high priest, Jesus Christ. We said that God does all the work of eternally sanctifying us and we said it's an eternal reality. So while there was none righteous, now we have become the righteousness of Christ and that's not something that you, O husband, with your abdication or your wrongful uh, attempts at exerting your headship can undo, for you are clean. And there's nothing you can do to make yourself unclean in some kind of sense that trumps God's words. For though we have the ability to sin, he is eternally interceding for us and cleansing for us. Christ loved the church effectively, not by trying to wash her with the water of the word. He did it. The problem is that we as husbands, or future husbands, please put yourself in the role of a husband in your imagination in case you will one day become one. The problem is that we are sinners. And that is a real problem. So the task before us of loving our wives by washing them with the water of the word, of be taking a leadership or a headship role in our homes, which is done primarily by bringing the word of God, by taking responsibility for bringing the word of God to all of the situations, circumstances, and issues in our homes, that starts in our hearts. So a husband's first duty here is to have Christ as Lord. We said there are two ways that our culture is offended by this passage. First, in the headship submission thing. And second, in saying Christ is not our head. So husbands, your first area to repent in now and every day, probably every morning and evening, is not having Christ as Lord. Single men, make Christ your Lord in all things. If you have not, then there's a problem. You can't have Christ as Savior if you don't have him as head. Can we say that? Not all, not all people who bear Christ's name say that. But what does the scripture say? It says Christ is the head. If we would have him, we must have him as he is. Women who are wives or who will be wives, you cannot submit to your husbands without submitting to Christ. You cannot respect your husbands without respecting Christ. What does this mean? I'm going to leave the details up to you. But I will say what the scripture says, and on that authority I can stand. Christ is the head of the church. As Christ, even as Christ is the head of the church, the husband is the head of the wife. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Your first allegiance is not to your husband. We are men of the flesh. We are men of sin. 
And though God has cleansed us and is sanctifying us and is perfecting us and will complete, he will complete the work he began in us. Do not doubt this. The problem with wives submitting to their husbands and everything is husbands don't submit to Christ and everything. But wife, submit to Christ, and in so doing, you will be able, you will be supernaturally empowered to be rightly related to your husband, who hopefully he isn't trying to be your head, hopefully he isn't forgotten or refused to be your head, although all of us are guilty of that as husbands. Um, You will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to come under the headship of your wife. Now, we, we are talking about over and under, right? An error we must avoid is thinking that the husband is better, greater, morally superior, smarter, or any such foolish thing over or beyond his wife. We are not. One way in which we can agree with our culture because we agree with the word of God is to say, there is no one righteous, not one, right? Husbands, when you read this, you do not say, my wife should submit to me because I deserve to be submitted to. Oh, no, you don't. (laughs) Oh, no, you didn't. I do not deserve, because of anything in me, anything I have done, anything I, I can attain to in my own strength, to be the head of my wife. I am the head of my own wife and not of women in general or coworkers or such things. I am the head of my wife because Christ said, he is my head, and thus he is. His word is truth. I am being sanctified in his word. Christ has become my head. I have been told that I am the head of my wife and not to worry about the how-tos of making that happen and working it out. I've been told only to be as Christ to my wife. Okay. In verse 23, it says, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. The husband is the head of the wife. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the savior of the church. The husband is not the savior of the wife. He's not qualified to be the savior of his wife. He is qualified not by anything in him, but by someone who is above him. Because we are under authority, and as we come under the authority of Christ, and in fact by coming under the authority of Christ, we become, we who are weak, become capable to minister the word of God to another person who morally, intellectually, in every such way, is shoulder to shoulder with us. It was not because we were good or wise or noble that God called us. And that may be directed especially to husbands. It was not because we were responsible, because we were clean, because we made better decisions, that we were called to be responsible for the decisions made in our families. My wife is probably more often than not a better decision maker than me. She's gifted with unnatural common sense, or uncommon common sense, I should say. (laughs) Okay, okay, this is going to come back on me. (laughs) Thank you, take that off the tape. Um, My wife is uncommonly gifted in at least several of the ways in which I am most deficient. And that is because God loves me. I am gifted in several of the ways in which my wife is most efficient because God loves her. I am not qualified 
to be responsible for the decisions made in our family because of something in me, but because of someone in me, and because he said, I want you to do this so that the world, when it looks at you and at your wife and at your oneness and at the headship, which you might think, oh man, looks like this with you up here and the body down here, but you will find as you come under the authority of Christ, that Christ's authority over you is most often exercised by taking off his nice clothes and wrapping a towel around his waist and going like this, getting down on his knees while you're left at the table eating and he will feed you with the real bread. And he washes you with the water of the word, the gospel. He forgives all your sins. He forgives all your sin. He cleanses you with his supernatural words that have power to wash you through and through, to sanctify you. And he will finish his work of doing this in you. Have faith. It's not up to you to get this done nor is it your responsibility nor is it up to you to make sure your wife receives the word um let me say this rightly it's not the husband's fault i'm trying to find the right words if i act as christ to my husband to my wife oh gosh <laughs> back it up back it up as i live with Christ under him and practically speaking experience him kneeling down and stooping in the most humble job that a respectable person could take you know um, and as he cleanses me day by day with his gospel and he takes my unrighteousness and as he has put it on himself in ignobility in humility like, that's disgusting. It was the disgusting that I was wearing sin, but he who knew no sin became sin for us. It's all messed up. It's all backwards. This should offend us, and it doesn't offend us enough that Christ became sin for us. And that's because we don't know him as head. We don't know him as awesome, as enrobed in light, as enthroned in the heavens, as... Him who sits on the throne with this emerald light rainbow going over him with rumbles of thunder. And if you've ever been close to the lightning, it's not a rumbling anymore. It's a... <laughs> hope that wasn't too loud. <laughs> if you were near the throne of God, you wouldn't have any eardrums. You would be immediately destroyed in your unrighteousness. The thunder of his presence would make you melt. It says in the scripture that when he descends, the mountains, which are made of solid rock, which have a really high melting point, if you've studied any chemistry or physics, become like wax. They melt. He, he is the one who stoops to wash you, O oh husband, in the same way, love your wife by stooping. Let your headship be a headship of kneeling under the submission of Christ and doing what he does and coming beneath your wife in all of these humiliating, humbling, disgraceful ways. We do this by, as Christ loved us when we were still in sin, in many practical ways, we follow that example, and as men, as, as husbands, we love our wives first. That means taking the first turn in the right things and letting her take the first turn in the other things. We have principle, we have a culture of courtesy that is being rejected by the egalitarian and the feminist a culture of courtesy where a man maybe in the old days would uh, walk around the car, kind of inconvenient, kind of a pain, not very logical, 
certainly not equal, and he'd open his wife's door, and sometimes she'd have to actually like wait for him to get there. But it's a ceremony. It's a ceremony, and both of them yield themselves to this ceremony because it shows the headship of Christ in the church. Because that's how Christ treats us. He doesn't treat us as a harsh Lord. As a matter of fact, he takes his severe wrath upon himself, and he was pierced for our transgressions. Husbands, think about the gospel every day, and imagine, your, imagine Christ loving you in the middle of an argument with your wife. Imagine him giving himself on the cross for you, right? So the way we do husbandry or being a husband to our wives or aka washing them with the water of the word is to first be washed ourselves and to come under the headship of Christ and then to think about him and the gospel in the midst of all the circumstances in our life and in our marriages. So I remember the first time I read this good book by Doug Wilson, uh, Reforming Marriage. Uh, It was about two years ago. I read it I was standing at the base of our stairs uh, in our house, and my wife and I were in the middle of a conflict, and we were both right and we were also both wrong. You know, we were both wrong about some things and right about some things, as almost 100% of marital conflicts uh, uh, are. And I remembered the gospel, and I remembered Christ loving me when I was in sin, and I was like, oh, okay, so that's what being a husband is. So... I just stopped talking real quick and I let my wife take the first turn at talking. And then when she finished, we talked about that. Well, my objection was she was wrong in this area um, and I was right. And her objection was she was right and wrong in a corresponding mirroring area. So a husband is one who usually, you know, where possible, where appropriate, which is usually lets his wife say it first, and, you know, we talk about the shootout principle, where when two people have an offense against the other, um, it's like in the Old West, where, you know, the cowboys stand, and they get ready to pull out their six-shooter, and they each take a shot, and in the old movies, they shoot, one shoots first, and gets hit, the other gets hit and staggers, you know, it's kind of faked, it's kind of theatrical, and then the one that got hit first, then draws and shoots the other one, and then the first one that shot takes the hit, and they both stagger to the ground and both, you know, melodramatically pass away, or, uh, or they're both revived, or whatever fits into the theme of the Old Western. So that principle, when applied to marriage, looks like this. You take turns saying what you're offended about or your grievance, and there are always those every single day. You know, that's a normal, healthy, you know, marriage with much joy and life and peace and mutual respect and service in it. Lots of conflict. Totally normal. Don't expect a marriage to be conflict-free. That's absurd. But the way to resolve it, we're not going to talk about what the wife does. We're going to talk about what the husband does today. Husbands, the way to resolve it is to be Christ to your husband let her get the first shot off. Take the hit. That means listening and being willing to let her have the first turn in this. What that's going to do is it's going to take your conflicts in marriage, which will be many, and that's okay, and it's going to take them from being like bombs that are planted all around the room, and when one explodes, then another next to it explodes, and then the three next to that explode, and all of your conflicts blow up into horrible fights, and you walk away bitter, separated, you're mutually destroying each other, you're not taking turns uh, uh, bringing your offense respectfully to the other, um, you're both shooting at the same time, and, and then you bring out the big guns, and you're both shooting the gambling guns at each other, and, and it all blows up. But that's not, a, that's not a biblical marriage, even though we have all experienced that, right? But so Christ calls us out of darkness into his glorious light. And as he took the first turn in loving us and serving us, so we become his servants, 
And because he loved us first, we love him back. Isn't that what the scripture says? It doesn't say, when we finally got to the point where we just admired Christ, we began to grow in love, kind of like a romantic love for him. And then at the same time, you know, he ran towards us and we met and we embraced and, and God and man met and, and now you were a Christian. No, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. While we were still sinners, Christ loved us, right? So in this way, husbands, humble yourselves. Be willing to love your wives like that. That's how Christ loved the church. It's with the word, and it's a lowering of himself beyond what was natural. Our culture makes a third error here. Our culture would be offended if it heard that I let my wife take the first turn and bring her offense against me first, and I listen. It might admire it, but it would also say, well, you know, you should really make it a little more equal. Like, who are you to lower yourself like that? Wrong. In the words of Donald Trump, wrong, wrong, wrong. (laughs) No. We may together repent of this error that our culture has taught us in the schools and in the movies. Marriage is not um, romance. The early years, uh, the, the engagement, there's a lot of romance there. And the rest of marriage, hopefully, has much romance. Um, but that's, that's not why you're a husband. You're a husband so that the world can see the way you love your wife and bring the scriptures to bear. It's your responsibility to initiate that and lead in that and take a headship role in that. And and it works itself out in serving the scriptures kindly, respectfully, clearly, and without distorting them to keep her from feeling bad, but clearly and honoring her sensitively. We've just got to come out of these mindsets. We've got to come out of the the false attitudes in, um, in much of Christian culture that we're all shoulders, And we need to be taking off our glory, our self-respect in one sense. We need to be taking off and setting aside our need for our wives to, to treat us the way we want them to all the time and demanding it, even though that's certainly the inclination of our heart. And if anybody is guilty of that, um, at least in this group, I might be, you know, the worst. That's been a big struggle for me. But as I've been coming under the headship of Christ more, that's less and less the issue. And more and more, there's a sweet aroma in our homes. In our home. How would you describe the spiritual aroma in your home? When you come home, husband, does it seem like the room is just bright? And like, even though there's nothing in the oven and nothing on the stove, it just somehow smells like apple pie to your spirit. Or like Thanksgiving or fresh baked bread or something. Um, It should. That spiritual aroma, that sense of peace that, that you can feel when you walk into the homes of some couples. Has anybody experienced that? That that spiritual aroma, that, that, that which is pleasing to the Lord, is a sign that Christ has been welcomed there as head. And that comes from the relationship of the husband and the wife. There's a lot at stake here. What's at stake here is Christ's reputation. If you're like me, This is pretty embarrassing. So I used to be really effeminate. Um, I don't think I'm very effeminate anymore. Uh, And I shouldn't be. Um, So our culture is also wrong on that. I used to be scared of my wife yelling at me. Um, 
My wife is a gifted leader and administrator. I am not, and much less so when we first got married. I was scared that if I said something that she didn't like, she'd like yell at me, right? So what I'm saying here is, men, future husbands, current husbands, you must have courage, have the same attitude that was in Christ when he, before going to Jerusalem to be crucified, made his face like a rock. If you've ever seen these guys in the old movies and their jaws are like cut, their jaws are like as hard as granite, and there's no fear on their face. Their faces are the faces of lions. And, you know, they go into battle or whatever. If you, if you like old action movies, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We think that's cool because Christ is that. He is the prototypical man and the prototypical husband. He's the ultimate man. When Jesus prepared to go to ultimate suffering, not just extreme uh, pain to um, maybe the greatest degree that one could experience, but far more, take on our sin, ultimate suffering and shame, suffering under his own righteous wrath, when he was getting ready to do that, knowing what he was going to do, what was his attitude? And husbands think, what should be your attitude in marriage as you prepare to bless your wives and honor them and yield up to them the word of truth that can save them? Christ is the Savior of the church. You're not the Savior of the wife. Christ is the Savior of your wife. And one of the ways he does it is by righteous husbands righteously serving their wives with the water of the word that Christ might wash them. Right? So when Jesus prepared to go to Jerusalem, it says he set his face like flint. What's flint? It's a rock. Jesus had a courage and an uh, uh, an overcoming of fear in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit who fully dwelled in him. Perfect communion. But men, don't we have that same spirit? So let us approach the difficult task of ministering the word to our wives by leading them in family worship, by respectfully, with authority, not tyranny, but the kind of authority that Jesus had, which we're going to learn about in the second hour, coming to their wives with the word of God, not with their own opinions, not with a list of demands of how your wife should be different and of what your image of a woman or a wife should be, which is probably mostly the result of the world, the flesh, and the devil, and you need to be repenting of this and coming clean from all of the influences in your life that have supported and created these ideas in your mind. Wash your wife with the water of the word as servant, as a servant would to his master. Because you are the head, as Christ is the head of the church. So lay aside your pride and learn how to lead your family in family worship in devotions every day. This is why you're a husband, so that Christ's name might not be blasphemed among unbelievers. It is your responsibility to do these things, and that's how you love your wife, not by being nice, right? Kindness, yes. Nicety, no, that's ridiculous. That's like a modern thing. Come out of that. If you are husband to your own wife as Christ is husband to his own bride, us, and we know how wonderful he's been to us, then everybody who sees your marriage will think, wow, I can smell the pleasing aroma of the gospel here. And even while they're offended by the husband submitting himself under his wife as head or Lord, 
and by the wife submitting herself to the husband as the church submits, should submit to Christ, which comes from first being rightly related to Christ. The world will see and know that Jesus is Lord and God. Husbands, you have an incredible responsibility. You're not up to the task. Cry out to God to save you from fleshly, modern, unbiblical, uh, demon-informed mindsets. Because that's all the same. And to wash you with the water of the word that you might be able to do that for which you're not qualified, but you have been commanded to do. Let's pray. Oh God, we are not strong enough and it's hopeless. We have no strength for this task, yet you are the mighty one. You've declared the end from the beginning. You know our future. You know that what you started doing when you began to build the church you will carry on to the day of completion. All of our faith and trust is in you and not in ourselves, nor in our abilities, nor in our capability. And we call on you according to your promise, which is the word of life, to now give us new life and recreate us in the image of your Son and make us like him. Give us grace to think rightly about the husband-wife relationship. Forgive us for thinking wrongly. Oh, empower us, even as you cleanse us, that we husbands might also love our wives by washing them with the water of the word, that they might be sanctified and become beautified. And we take full responsibility for this. Although we know that the actual power and the one who really does the work is you. Thank you for righteously choosing what a marriage should look like and what the roles of husbands and wife should be. We do not deny that what you say is reality, and we affirm that your word is truth. Oh, sanctify us in it. Amen.